1: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
0: the Talksport sport fan network is proudly supported by muck delivery bringing you the food you love muck delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door no matter the results you'll always be winning with muck delivery so the only thing left to say is you in Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: From Blint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood, Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Faye. Now, maybe you're well versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here. So here's a few things to jog your memory.
0: Here is Vose. Great dribble by Don Vose. And still, Vose! He gets past another! Oh what a goal! Don Vose! One of the goals of the season! He has toys with the defense there! And that is remarkable! The Bull Boys getting involved! Connor Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goalscorer, 13 for the season. 14, Wrexham lead, it's Wrexham work, Chester Hill, it's McDonough for Wrexham, still Jerry McDonough, he's coming in, McDonough around the keeper,
1: Wrexham, Wrexham, new to the lead ladies, if yesterday was a block.
0: Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. I'm Rich Fay. I'm joined once again by Nathan Salt, and we've got another bumper episode for you today. We'll hear from Gemma Owen. We'll look ahead to. The return of fans at the race course this weekend and Nathan Saltz got the latest transfer news as well, a development about Wrexham's midfield plans and I guess that probably is the best place to start. Nath, how are you doing? I'm good,
2: yeah, it's it's another, another busy week, Wrexham, we've kind of been glued to our screens in terms of who's coming and going but no a good week rich and we're edging ever closer to that season opener
0: and we'll have a special season preview podcast next week as well including a guest from yeovil town who will be looking ahead to that opening match and maybe giving us a bit of a reality check maybe we'll, maybe playing devil's advocate and getting us all in a gloomy mood ahead of a, a season where Wrexham could wrex it. you know i mean there's a lot of changes <laughs> but some things don't ever change do they but naif on the pitch, you know that they were trying to get this last preseason fixture. They got Curzon uh, Ashton at home on Saturday. In terms of faces, we could see the news is that Dean Furman won't be one of them. A player who's impressed a lot during his trial this summer, a, a fa- fan's favourite really. In, in terms of in terms of what he's achieved, and I think it was only on the other podcast we were comparing him to sort of Joe Allen and saying he could be the saviour, could be that missing piece of the jigsaw. But you've been Working hard behind the scenes. You've got the latest transfer news. Where do Wrexham stand on a midfield signing?
2: Yeah, the the Dean Furman Express is firmly parked back in the station. Yeah, Dean Furman will not be signing a contract with Wrexham. That's my understanding. And as I, as I, I put that out on Twitter, but to elaborate on that, and you know, I was getting a lot of questions about what that means. It was my understanding that it came down to a decision between Dean Furman and Dave Jones for. Bill Parkinson, and, you know, both have been on trial since I think the the first friendly we had, and so they've they've played right the way through. They've both trained. It seemed as if Furman had the upper hand in in terms of what, you know, what fans had seen. I know the pedigree-wise, they've both got great pedigree. Furman, a South African international, you know, Dave Jones has played in the Premier League, so, you know, pedigree wasn't lacking in either of them. Both are on, what I understand, not exorbitant wages you know they're both at a level which allowed for the affordability of both i assumed but it's come down to a decision um i was told that a list of targets was handed to the board i would assume that that includes you know les reed um robin ryan uh fleur sean harvey people like that the whole the whole shebang and the fees involved of what it would take to get those players now, frustration was growing in inside Furman's camp in terms of it was taking a long, long time. You know, the trials were going on and on. Really, a, a conversation I had before the Spennymoor game with someone who, who knows the player well was, was saying, you know, what was a game against Spennymoor Town really going to do to make or break the decision? Um, and, and there was a lot of frustration towards the management in, in terms of, you know, not giving a clear answer when when the player wanted one really and wants to sort the future which is understandable on the eve of the season um but yet it came down to a phone call on wednesday made by Furman to parkinson Furman, you know had grown tired of um the the situation and, and called parkinson directly i was told it was a cordial conversation it was it was very polite but when pushed parkinson said that the reason he wouldn't be able to sign is because they're going to give terms to dave jones and so yeah contrary to any any rumors dean Furman was not offered a deal and i also want to debunk the suggestion that he is looking to go back to south africa i saw some people on twitter say you know is he going back to south africa that's not the case his plan is to remain in the uk and so it's back to the drawing board for dean firm i think that's a real shame Seemed like a bit of a classy operator from 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 the intel we'd gathered and, and you know james who's been on the show multiple times was was quite keen on him and thought he looked good. But no, he will play no part against Curzon Ashton. And it just seems, uh, you know, kind of it will be quite soon that that we'll have Dave Jones announced. And what that means, I would assume that it means probably Dave Jones plus one more rich um, in midfield. I would say that's probably the case.
0: Yeah, from my point of view, certainly the the decision not to offer any anything to Furman indicates that okay Dave Jones might be the like for like replacement, but there's still going to be another. And I still think we need that sort of statement in midfield, that spine, that that anchor, someone who can be playing every week, because I think you know, if Dave Jones comes in, he you know, I spoke to like I said, my olden friend and you know, Dave Jones was there as well and he said, I do not remember Dave Jones even playing for us. That was his last club. So I don't think he's the player that can be relied upon every week. I do think maybe he is more in that Glenn little mould that he'll be a really good influence on the dressing room, bring that experience. And you know, he's going to be someone who's maybe a bigger influence off the pitch than on it. I still think we need another Big name or just a big player in central midfield? Mm. Someone who really can just form the the crux of that sort of best eleven in the squad we will be seeing most weeks. We need someone who's going to be able, able to play two two times a week because that turnover between Saturday Tuesday games that is often the downfall of teams. It, it is the Passively. cliche that it's all about consistency, but that's that's really what I think Wrexham needs. So Naif, yeah, I think that needs to be another midfielder, and I, I from you know what you hear the intel and stuff, I still believe that we will get dave jones and someone else you know before, that's before that's the what start it of seems season.
2: like and and rich to, to kind of just piggyback onto that you talk about dave jones i don't believe he's been signed with a view to playing twice a week i don't believe that that was what swung it you know i the conversation i had was suggesting that it was the versatility jones has got in the fact that he can play center back as he did against spennymore now but most games, most league games, you would not want um, Dave Jones to, to be a starting centre-back. But people will misconstrue what I said when I when I put that out about, about the centre-back comment. What I think it is more so that, you know, in a game, if if Dave Jones is in midfield and we're, we're in need of more creativity, you could drop him back, sacrifice a, a defender, I don't know, say you sacrifice a Harry Lennon or something like that, or a Tyler French you drop Jones back to sort of play as an anchor, and then you bring on a another midfielder, you know, a new signing, or you bring on a Jarvis or a Devontae Redmond or someone like that. So it seems that versatility of which, you know, Furman will hold his hands up. He, he can't play central defence, and, and nor should he. Really. He's, a, he's a an established central midfielder. But but that seems to have been a, a key part in the, in the decision-making with, you know, both players are on amicable, amicable wages from what I've, you know, kind of nothing too exorbitant. And, and it seems that after the Aaron Hayden deal, which is, you know, has been undisclosed, but is believed to be in the region of 150,000 to Carlisle with, you know, a, a big step up in his wages from, from, from what I was, I was told the, the money now, I think we can't just go and throw money at everyone. You know what I mean? In terms of, we can't just go and give everyone.
0: All, yeah, there the needs money, to be a precedent so... set, doesn't there? But I think exactly. that it, it's telling that you know it, it, there are it is that sort of spine of the team where we've mm. spent big and where we've had those big statement signings. You know, and I think that we always were sort of after free marquee names. I think I think already is. I really do think that he's taken for granted what he offers in goal. I think, like I said, Hayden centre back, Mullen up front. I still, like I said, I think we're just missing that midfielder to complete the jigsaw. And then I think you've got to go for a free with Davis Young and then another. That's what I'd like to see anyway by the end of, you know, the transfer window by the start of the season. That's what I think we, we should be going for. And yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see. But yeah, Aaron Hayden, Nath, I know we've not had a chance to speak about him on, on the pod yet, have we? How have you reacted to that move? I mean, you know, it's one of those that on paper, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about him and what he's done at Carlisle, really. But he's got, you know, impressive stats. He looks like a player who, who really does hold his own and seems very mature for his age that the interview he gave as well seemed really determined and driven which is exactly what I think and yeah he seems like the perfect mix and I know in Humphrey's column this week he said that they wanted someone who's got that football league pedigree but who is young and hungry but also a leader because we've been saying in the previous podcast that maybe Wrexham don't have those leaders And I think he really is an important cog of, of hopefully the promotion pitcher hmm.
2: I mean I'm wary to kind of crown him as the potential captain I mean I think he's clearly got the capability to do so but we saw Keller come in didn't we and, and he'd been a captain at Macclesfield and okay we had Sean Pearson this is a very different scenario but yeah you know, I think there's no guarantee I think the fact that what works in his favor is that Parkinson has shifted that armband around quite a bit we saw Lainton have it we've seen Young have it um we've seen davis have it and others Hall, johnson brisley and and you know the kind of i suppose the worry the worry is that or the the plus of having hayden is that if brisley's knee injury which he picked up at Spennymoor, is serious or or keeps him out for a period of time then you know hayden will have to quickly become the the leader of that defense and and i mean i'm going to hold my hands about again it's not someone i followed or tracked closely but it's always quite telling when fans lose a player, if they're sort of waving them off and paying the taxi fare, or if they're doing all they can and, and are very upset and angry at the fan base that are taking them away. And it was definitely more of the latter. you know, Carlisle fans were very angry and, and very frustrated at what they feel is a, a monetary move for, for everyone involved. And at this level, I don't blame anyone if that's the case, you know, if his wages have been dramatically increased and, and we've paid the fee, then, then good luck to him. But I, I think it's a real smart move, a smart pickup. You know, not not necessarily a Hollywood movie. We haven't tried to get a, a a an older player that's just dropping down the leagues and trying to get find a quick payday. You know, Aaron Hayden's still someone on the up, and I think a three year deal gives him that security. It gives, you know, that's why I tweeted out, Rich. I said that we wanted power plays and we got them. You know, Mullin was somebody that really got the attention and was like, oh wow, you know, non-Rexham fans. And I think Hayden to to a lesser extent, but still, you know, people a lot of people saw that and thought, wow, that's a that's a really smart pickup. And if you think Brisley and Hayden as a two or, or Brisley Hayden, Lennon, if he's fit or French, you think that's a strong back three with Laneton behind them. So I think that's a really smart move on the midfielder front. I just think the, if we're going to play the right way and if that's the way we want to go, you know, playing it through midfield. I saw Wes Houlihan quotes today talking about how much you'll miss playing with Paul Mullen that I put out on our Twitter, which is at Rob Ryan Red. If you don't already follow that, do give us a follow. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, Wes Hulam talking about talking about um, Paul Mullen and how much he thrived playing with him. Midfield is so, so key and Luke Young, I, I'm a big, big fan of. I think he'll be brilliant. I think Jordan Davis would be good. But we need, we just need like an enforcer, a bit of experience, but not maybe to the level, into the age level of, of someone like a Dave Jones. So, you know, names have been floated about. I saw Ollie Norburn, but, but he's now gone to Peterborough on a, on a three-year deal, I think that was. So you're looking really at two names I've seen, Rich, and, and I've heard in various conversations of Ollie Clark at Mansfield and Grant Ledbetter, free agent. I think now he worked with Parkinson at Sunderland. I've been desperately trying to st- stand that up and, and see if that deal is is legitimate and is a goer. So far, no, no no news on that. And that in itself, you know, the fact there's been no denial could mean absolutely nothing. But, you know, when you're a journalist, it can mean something at the same time. So that would really be interesting. You know, someone of, say, Grant Ledbetter standing or, you know, Ollie Clark is well-liked at Mansfield. Someone like that, I think, would just cap off a brilliant summer when you think a spine of, you know, kind of, like you say, Layton, Hayden and Brisley, you know, say Ledbetter and Davis and Mullen and Hyde. I think what a kind of center central kind of spine through that team. Just really, really talented. And dare I say, you know, one that should be going up, Exham.
0: Yeah, and Ollie Clark as well, another name that he said like, there in the frame, really loved at Bristol Rovers as well. I believe You know, he was part of that side that got them promoted when they beat Grimsby on penalties, the Darrell Clark match. I remember that, him him celebrating very uh, iconically, shall we say, after the game. And yeah, two-time player of the year there. Like you said, Nathan, I think the key and, and the real excitement about this summer for Exum is that, you know, from the offset, it's always been the goal that we're just going to make ourselves so good that we do go up. And I know that they didn't really want to buy the league at first. I think there's been a bit of a change of stance, particularly with like Deal, and like I said, now Hayden that we really are just trying to make the most of the momentum we've got. Rob and Ryan don't want to be associated with a project that isn't winning. They don't want to be success. You know, they want success. And I know that it is about the community. It's about what they build in terms of that as well, but you've got to get to the football league and then you've got a real good chance of getting up to league one as well. And that really would be sort of proper evidence of how good this, this project is, but by buying players who have that football league experience and who are well-thought-of-of-the-clubs they're coming from, that just shows the... One, it shows, OK, yeah, that we can offer quite a bit of money now, which we just couldn't do before. Number two, it shows they are buying into the project. Number three, they're all saying how pivotal the management team of Parkinson and Parkin are in actually convincing them to come here. And then, you know, you're getting a squad which is football equality but playing in the non-league. So just by default, even if they're not particularly hitting their peak straight away they're better players than most of the most of those that they're facing theoretically at least so Mm. it should just naturally mean that we are getting better and better standards are higher and higher having an off day with football league players is still sometimes enough to win games where as having an off day or players who are underperforming who aren't football league players you really do tell a difference so yeah very exciting times. I'm very happy with all the business done. Leadbitter. Ledbitter, I had to do a bit of research when that you know, I heard his name come up as well, and he's one who seemed to be going around for ages. And yeah, I, I kept on getting him and Dean Whitehead mixed up thinking they were the same <laughs> definitely, person. Definitely. But yeah, Grant Ledbitter, what a career. And he's so well liked in, in the North East as well, with Borough and with Sunderland. So I think he'd be a real coup and to get him to drop down to that level would be absolutely unbelievable. I think that would be the signing of the summer if we could make that happen.
2: Yeah, I mean that would be you know that would be a spectacular sign, and I think in terms of just the experience he would offer. Look, at this point we don't know for sure whether that's happened, but at this point who knows? You know, got a dream. We if you'd have said at the start of this podcast back in February, Rich, that you'd end up with Paul Mullen. i admittedly we didn't know Aaron Hayden, but if you just said look, a league two leading defender, the Golden Boot winner, and you know the former. Top level Sunderland midfielder, you'd have said absolutely, you know, absolutely no chance. With all due respect to the players we'd we'd signed before, but I think one of the exciting things about this week in particular, Rich, is this Curzon Ashton friendly, season ticket holders, you know, they had to cap it. So I know you're in that group of season ticket holders that have been capped, you know, just because there's so many of them already, and there will be more, I don't doubt. And they're going to get a first real look. You know, the the friendlies so far have been more, You know, not many made it up there. The Fleetwood game was supposedly behind closed doors and then it wasn't behind closed doors. That whole fiasco. I'm trying to think where else. The Tamworth was a decent turnout, admittedly, but this one will be first game at the race course for, for these for these players. And and hopefully we get a good turnout, you know, a kind of dress rehearsal. And I'd hope that they kind of get their match day routine nailed down. I'm really glad that we've actually got another game because I was starting to fear that we might be a little bit undercooked. I know that Yeovil have had their game cancelled because of, COVID and, and whatnot. And so for us it's just an, another opportunity to to get kind of just a gel, make you know, make partnerships, make make that kind of right wing back and, and sort of right sided midfielder and you know get the centre backs involved and, and try and I would really try and go out with your strongest possible team. If possible, I mean, don't don't risk, say, Layton or don't risk Brizley if they're not 100%, but try and put out the team you want to put out against Yeovil um, and give fans an early taste. My only frustration this week, Rich, and I don't really want to kind of make too much of a big deal about it because I know other people will find, but this ticket master system has been mightily frustrating for people, and I know that people have been trying to get their tickets for this Curzon game, you know, unable to print at home, more IT woos, you know, season tickets were difficult for a lot of people to get. I know you were one of the fortunate ones that that was able to get by with that. But, you know, these are things that can be ironed out by the club. And we're, we're still learning as we go. We're still growing to a rate which we've not previously been used to. And so I understand that, you know, having sold X amount of shirts, we're now selling probably 10 times or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, that, that's just been very frustrating, I know, for, for people I know that are trying to get to the game, but we'll try and look at the positives because and Ashton, I think will be a good, another good test, you know, Spenny more 2-2 in the end, wasn't it? And so, you know, threw away a two-goal lead there. Yes, it's pre-season, but you want to get into good habits. And so strong performance to take us through and then a week of training, and then it's the oval and you'll be there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm personally delighted that there's a friendly, I don't know about you, whether you just thought just maybe keep it training, but it seems a no-brainer that Parkin and Parkinson have, have managed to arrange something at such short
0: notice. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need that final dress rehearsal before the new season. Most of these players will be playing their first match at the race course as well, so they need to get, you know, into the habits, they need to know which end they want to celebrate at, which corner flag they want to be running out for the for the season ahead. But yeah, it's got to be got to happen and, you know, we've seen this this week earlier as well that, you know, at Anfield, Liverpool have got a new ticketing system and they've had to delay two kickoffs because of it, because they've not just not been able to cope with the demand on match day. Of course, Anfield sort of crowds are going to be bigger than Wrexham for now, at least. But yeah, it's it's important that we try that out, see how this new ticketing system works. It does look a bit like they're teething issues from the outside. I, I don't really know why the club can't start issuing QR codes. That's what we do for, for Man United. They've gone ticketless this season. I'll actually be at United versus Leeds on Saturday, so I can't even use my season ticket free pass to, to go to the Curzon game, sadly. But yeah, I just hope that we can sort of learn those lessons, get everything out of the way. This weekend, because you don't want to be turning up to the first game of the season against the Oval, either having a surge to get in, a kickoff delayed or whatever, you just want it all to go swimmingly really, and yeah, there are lessons that need to be learned, but I think having a, a final pre-season game was imperative, you know, we've, we've, we've had a really affected schedule, the fact that the first one was cancelled as well, so... It's important that we can get into that into those habits like you said and get those partnerships going. And I think for the last preseason game, start with your strongest team, give them an hour and then take them off. You can take some of your key players off, maybe someone who's played a, a big chunk of minutes off, you know, at half time. There probably isn't any point in maybe risking people like Young and Layton. Maybe even Mullin, because you know what you want to get from them on the opening day. Bring some younger players on. And then, yeah, give the bulk of them an hour and see how it goes. But, yeah, I cannot wait for the new season. I'm very, very, very excited. I just don't know what lies ahead, obviously. But we're anticipating a a big push forward. And let's hope and see what happens. But it's not just the men's team who are excited for the future either, Nathan. And last Sunday, the women's team played at the race course as well. They won 6-1. Can you believe that? What a fantastic performance that was. The highlights, superb. Rosie scored scored four goals in that game. The last one, superb. The way that she took it around the keeper, the composure was sensational. 6-1. And yeah, what better time to speak to Gemma Owen, someone who's been there through thick and thin and is now enjoying the ride, reaping the rewards. And yeah, this is what she had to say after a pivotal and historic week in the history of Wrexham's women's team. So Gemma, it's been a historic week for Wrexham women playing the first game at the race course, winning in such triumphant style as well, with some fans back as well in North Wales. This day must have seemed like it was never going to come at some point. How how does it feel to finally have the ball rolling, to have Wrexham women as a a real sort of entity now and gaining that momentum, which is so needed?
3: You're right, it it has been a long time coming. Um, It's something that certainly we i've been working towards for, for some time now maybe over the last five years or so um we did start obviously at the the bottom um, and worked our way up so you know as, as you may be aware at the foundation we, we did a lot of schools work a lot of community um based sessions just for girls gradually built it up from there and once we got our under eights to under 16s uh sorted within the foundation and then the next logical step then was to get the women's team going or or restarted as we we probably should say there was a previous one totally separate to the club really nothing to do with us at the foundation it was way before that so having a having a, a women's team for those girls to follow through the pathway to go into was was the next logical step for us and and obviously as as it stands now we've we've got an under 19s team starting to bridge the gap even even more so there's a there's a complete pathway now for for a little girl that that starts with us at the very bottom you know, all the way up to, to senior football now which is which is just amazing
2: Gemma, talk to us a bit about you know we were talking about the characters involved and with a new manager being appointed Mary there was a lot of excitement around her appointment we've got Rosie doing really well in, in attack and people liking that to a Paul Mullen type sign and talk to us a bit about the squad and, and kind of the key characters we've got there because it's really exciting for the fan base to have the owners particularly we saw Rob's tweets didn't we saying one club one Wrexham and it really feels like it's just one big group split into multiple teams men and women
3: yeah I'd say so um, we've we've got a, a great group of girls with us multiple different ages we've, we've got some younger girls in there we've got some more experienced heads in there We've we've got you know we've got Carmen now, so a, a multinational uh, side as well, which is which is absolutely brilliant. And um, so yeah, we've we've got a real mix, but a, a very close group of girls, I would say. I think the best thing about it for us is we've got some girls in there that have been there with our youth youth uh, age groups as well. So they've made the step up into senior football. It doesn't happen like that for everyone. Most girls of sixteen find the, the step up to women's football quite difficult but the, the girls that have done that step and made that step have made that step really really well and they've they've thrived as they've gone through into into senior football which is brilliant so yeah we've we've got a few characters in there some really really f- funny girls very very funny girls and you do make us laugh on a on a regular basis so there's you know that there is a mix now of having fun and enjoying what they're doing but also now realising that you know that we're, we're very serious in what we're doing and we're, we're you know we're we're not messing about with this so yes it's a really good group of girls that we've got there at the moment.
0: And Jeremy you like your work with your foundation and you must have seen so many talented young people come up through through the sort of academy levels but they've not had the chance to progress then into a senior Wrexham side how good is it for you that these people that you have seen grow up who've had to go away can now come back to Wrexham and come back to their hometown team the team that gave them that first chance and almost have that like that sort of homecoming and a chance to to do it properly
3: it's been difficult when we've had you know we've worked with girls over you know several years it may only be a short time and in other cases it's it's two three four years but you know when we've had to allow them, if, if allows the right words, to, to go on to, to bigger clubs, from a development perspective, it was brilliant for us to see girls leaving us to go to your likes of Everton, Man United, Liverpool, um, just for, for to name a few. So our aim really now is to become the team and the club that the girls either want to stay within or they want to come back to, as, as you rightly say there, Rich. So that is happening now. Um, There, there is a, a girl who's coming back to play within, firstly, our under-19s team, but as soon as we're able to, we'll move her into women's uh, first team, who is is a Wrexham girl. She's Wrexham through and through, loves the club and comes to watch the men on, on a weekly basis. And now she's coming back to us from, from Everton, which is, you know, that's what we're aiming for. That's the kind of thing we want, is for people to want to come and play for Wrexham and to not leave in the first place because the better thing that they would previously go to will hopefully then be us that you know we will be the better the better thing if that makes any sort of sense so it's it's incredible from from our perspective from from my side personally to see this happening when five six years ago when we started this journey so to speak that you know these girls now we were 11 12 at the time we're now starting to see them in our older age groups and women's team, so yeah, it's it's incredible. It's 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 really satisfying to see that.
2: What have conversations been like with people behind the scenes? You know, people like Fleur. I don't know what kind of involvement you've got with with a Humphrey or we know that Rob and Ryan are impossible to get to get hold of in terms of just you know their their kind of workload and and premiers and whatnot. But people like Fleur, the people running the club, how's it been with those since they've come in and kind of transformed everything?
3: Oh, they've been incredibly supportive. I can't fault anybody um, in relation to the club in, you know, what they've been doing for us, how they've been supporting us, whether that's um, financially, whether that's from the media team perspective, whether that's from um, Fleur trying to uh, advise us, whether, you know, we've we've also had uh, conversations with, with Les Reed as well in relation to the women's side. So, you know, that, that side of things... Are, we we can't fault the club at all it's it's so much more than we have ever had before and it's it's so much more than we we ever dreamed of having in terms of, of support and and the backing that we've got behind us now and you know Humphrey's been just superb from from the minute he got in in terms of the women's and girls side of it and they understand what we've what we've been trying to do here and what we've Aiming to do here really the, the ambition that that we have as a, as a women's section and a girls' section, they fully get that. they fully understand it and they're very, very supportive of it. So yeah, no no faults at all in in terms of that. they've been brilliant.
2: I was just going to say but you know this, this conversation with Les Reed, I mean what you know he's so experienced, especially in, in the men's side in terms of he's playing such a key role. we know we've discussed it many times, Rich playing such a key role for the men's team. What kind of expertise was he passing on in terms of setting up a structure, and you know that's his forte now in sort of setting up structures and player recruitment as well as key for him. And I'm sure he's he's, he's well versed in in women's players as well as men's players. What what were those kind of discussions like? If you can shed any light on those,
3: yeah, I mean mainly it was in relation to the manage uh, the manager appointment, Uh, but he's there are going to be meetings that will be coming uh, rather than already happened in relation to the, the club strategy the women's playing strategy but we've shared that with him already what we had in place um, prior to all of this we've uh, we had to provide it to the FAW in relation to the licensing process Um so we've shared that with Les and, and Les has come back and He's, he's very very pleased with what we've already got so um so yeah th- that's basically where those conversations have been around and uh he's he's been extremely ex- again helpful and supportive really
0: yeah it's a real exciting future and Joe I guess maybe the next step like we said we've had the first game at the race course we should be able to have fans back more regularly now you can start getting that sort of organic fan base of people who support both teams because like Rob tweeted himself you know it is that one big Wrexham family for you what is what what are those next steps that need to be made is it just more exposure and getting more people to actually see what you're all about and getting to to know the players and like you said the characters you've got at your disposal
3: I would say so yeah what we're looking to do now is to promote the club first and foremost to club the women's side of the club to promote the women's game in general um, as well it's you know we've we've got good relationships with various grassroots clubs in the in the local area and and a little bit further afield but we want to strengthen those links so it's it's again getting us getting us out there to people it's getting our players out into the community so people are seeing the, the players themselves whether that's in a in a training setting at a grassroots club or whether it's a you know a presentation evening that a club might have it's it's getting getting the women out there now as as players and it's it's just getting more exposure to the female game in general I would say so you know Sunday's game went a long way to being able to do that you know for people to see a women's team playing at the race course was was just absolutely amazing the, the club were incredible to us that day and you know to give you a little bit of an insight they they gave us a match day experience that the men would have had um, you know it, it's just little things but they were big things to us and it, it was uh, unbelievable so you know young girls growing up that were here at that game on sunday that maybe come to our turn up and play sessions for example or they come to our uh, they play for one of our younger youth teams they were able to see what they can have when they grow up and and in a Wrexham kit that that's incredible it's not just coming to the race course and watching a Wales game for example or they're not watching Man City women on the tv they're actually watching a Wrexham women's side at the race course which you know for us and for me personally to see that is is it was just unbelievable it's absolutely amazing so yeah, to, to get more exposure for the for the players, get more exposure for the women's game in general. I would say it's is the next step. So, and I think we're well on our way to that.
2: You'd think with the club, the documentary in particular coming out early next year, that's arguably the biggest exposure the club will get aside from just the fact that the owners of Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhenney. When that comes out, you know that will be watched by people I know that that don't have interest in sport at all, guys and girls that will watch that you know, that will be important, won't it, in terms of people that will just suddenly look at the club and be like, I want to follow the women's team or the men's team or, you know, just be part of this. Because that's inevitable, isn't it? And so as much as you want a sustainable project, would you agree that the next year or two is going to be really sort of the high point of exposure? That's just my opinion, personally. I don't know if you'd agree with that.
3: Yes, 100%. Yes, it will be. It will be quite strange being on on the documentary. I must admit, if uh, if any of our bits make it onto there, <laughs> um, which I'm sure it will, because you know, as we as we've already touched on, the the owners are, are very supportive of of the women's side of things here. So yeah, I'm sure that, that the girls will make it on there at some point. And yeah, to to be reaching those kind of audiences would would be absolutely brilliant for for us it'll be yeah it's quite a strange thought really that that yeah, our yeah. our girls and women's teams are going to be reaching audiences that we probably would never have dreamt of even only 12 months ago maybe maybe longer but yeah the, these next 12 months I would say I've to be key to the the levels of exposure that we're going to get and Yeah, it'll be be really interesting to see where it takes us and and I'm sure it will be nothing but positive. So, yeah, looking forward to that
0: the next time you're on the podcast you might have to go for your own hollywood agent to get to you so it could be you know it's a superstar break who knows what's gonna lie ahead but yeah
2: oh uh, no
3: oh no maybe she, not. <laughs>
0: it's
2: just amazing that you know you, you obviously people will be listening to this but you, you you're so you're smiling you can't almost stop smiling talking about the progress you've made and i think it's easily forgotten that people that will now see the team won't realize what you know how little you had it really in a way i'm, I'm not trying to you know get the get the violin out too much but you've really it's really transformed completely transformed I can remember you know conversations a year or two ago before the ownership and it was a much smaller operation and so like you've earned this you know I I just want to say that you and others have earned whatever you get on the documentary and any moment you get at the race course so um, you know speak for me and Rich that we're delighted that you get you know you're getting your moment now and it's but it's like you say it's important now that for the girls as well, as much as they're gonna have a laugh if they see themselves on Disney Plus, you know, it's 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 a big brand moment for them as well. You know, you're talking about players coming back from Everton. There'll be players at Everton that will be less well known than some of these Wrexham players purely by, you know, the the millions of people in America will know who the Wrexham players are based on a documentary. So yeah, it's it's just a crazy. I mean, when you when you look back in a year or two, you must think this is just completely bonkers. And I still think that about the ownership now, it's just completely nuts.
3: We're thinking that now it is yeah. now it's, it's, it is bonkers, but, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for us is we, yes, you, you're you absolutely right in saying that, you know, we've been limited. Um, If if that's probably the right word in, in saying what we've, what we've had available to us so far. And, you know, I, I think the staff that we've got here, the players that we've, we've got here and players that have, we've had that are no longer here. It's, you know we've we've done very very well to to get it to the point that it is um you know again to give you a little bit of an insight our our girls performance center that we've got here that we deliver in partnership with the FAW that you know that that's been a lot of work over the last few years to get that to where it is which will then be the foundations really to what goes into our 19s and what goes into our women's team and you know we've we've got a, a great bunch of staff that that have really really worked extremely hard to to get it to to where it is now to the point where you know the new owners and the the staff that are here at the club have have noticed that and they've realized that and they realized what this girls and women's section could become. So yeah, we're very very proud of that, and I think one of the biggest things that came from Sunday, apart from obviously all the exposure that that, that game brought with it, just seeing the, the the girls on the pitch, just seeing the women on the pitch, what it what it meant to them, what it meant to them, just being in the changing room, um, and, and then walking out onto the pitch, it was an incredibly proud moment not just for us as staff but for the players themselves as well and for their families to be able to watch them play on on the racecourse and you know it means a lot to me personally that these players are finally getting you know the support they're getting the recognition beyond what we were able to previously provide for them so yeah it's 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 an incredible feeling to for them as well, more than anything else, I think. And it, yeah, it means a lot. Really does mean a lot to have that support from the club, but not just the the club, it's from the the wider fan base as well. You know, we've we've been quite humbled really, to be honest, in in the messages that we've been having from, you know, the general Rex and fan base and the support that that we're getting from them. And, you know, just a big thank you really to everyone that's been been sending those messages of support so yeah we're very grateful thank you
0: yeah I think that's I guess the last question for you Gemma is like we said Sunday it might have been the end of sort of one journey for the women's team and that sort of first chapter comes to a close but for you what what is the 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 goal over the next year how far do you think this cat this can really grow do you think the sky is the limit I know you probably don't be having too many targets just live in the moment but are there any sort of targets that you've set yourself provisionally or or what you want to achieve?
3: Yes. we're, we're very ambitious um, in what we're trying to do, you know, obviously as, I, as I've touched on already, what we've got in place is very solid um, to the point where our girls performance centre really is a model that the FAW are actually looking to, to replicate around Wales. So it's it, not just us, but ourselves and Cardiff, that they're actually looking at that, realising how well it's worked and they're starting to, to, integrate that into other performance centres around Wales. So, you know, it's something, again, we're very, very proud of. Um, I think going forward, the big thing for us now is establishing ourselves, really, this season in a Tier 2. But the the ambitions we've got and the targets we've set ourselves are to reach Welsh Premier League in the next three years, hopefully before then, but that's what we've set ourselves up to now. And then eventually um, making it into Welsh Premier League and, and playing and competing in those top spots in the next five or six years. If you know, it's an ambitious target, but it's a realistic target. And I don't see why we can't do that with with the support that we're currently getting at the moment. And that that support continues and and maybe increases even. That there's no reason why we can't be competing for those top spots in in the Welsh Premier League. And obviously, as you you may or may not be aware that. What comes with those top spots in the Welsh Premier League is Champions League football, which, you know, can you imagine that? <laughs> can you can you imagine having Champions League football back at the well at the racecourse first of all, European football back at the racecourse, but that it's a Wrexham team involved in that, and even even more mad is that it could be a women's a Wrexham women's team that are competing in Wales and uh, competing in Europe, sorry, representing Wales and you know, that could, that could be incredible and there's no reason why we can't do that. So why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah, we've set ourselves ambitious targets, but there's, they're very realistic and I don't see why we can't do that.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. the women in the Champions League, you know, Wrexham women <laughs> players playing for the national team in a major tournament as well, that's got to be the absolute, the absolute end goal. And like you said, no matter what happens to the ownership, what, no matter what's the next few years, that's going to be the legacy, isn't it? And that's going to be something that is there for decades to come. So Gemma, like Nathan said, thank you very much for all your hard work in the years and, you know, enjoy it. Just embrace it. We're all going to enjoy (laughs) this journey. But yeah, thank you very much for joining us today. Oh,
3: no problem. And just a big thank you to you both as well. You know, we've we've had some incredible support from you guys as well. And, you know, the fact that we're even talking on here and, and on a podcast and, you know about the women's team you know we really appreciate that so thank you both very very much as well
0: that's it yeah thank you very much Gemma yeah can't wait I'd love to I'd, yeah there's a Champions League music playing on the race course can you imagine
3: <laughs> can you imagine that, that that yeah. I want to be
0: under that flag on the centre circle just waving it if you can get me that gig then I'll
3: if we make it there we'll give you that one no
1: oh, doubt boy. about it <laughs>
0: So, Nate, the future's bright, both for the men and the women's, and just for everyone. And, you know, as Rob McElhenney tweeted himself, it is like one team, one Wrexham sort of mentality you've got to have. And who knows, those Champions League nights could be back sooner than oh. we think at the, at the race course. I know we drew into the men's team there one day, but the women's team have a real chance of it. Like Gemma said, you know, promotion to the top flight of the Welsh leagues. And if they can do well there as well, they could be in the Champions League. Just imagine the Champions League anthem. Go Unbelievable! Bla-
2: Bla- wow. Blair, I was about to say, down Crispin Lane, blaring out the speakers. That's the that is the one song that, without fail, no matter who's playing, that song just gives me gives me goosebumps every time. And so you know what? As I said in 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 that chat, I'm just delighted for everyone involved, Gemma and, and all the players. You know they really deserve this moment, and it's just a shame that more people couldn't make it to the to the first game. I know it was kind of friends and family and and youth players, but I'm sure that you know if they keep that up, if Rosie <laughs> keeps scoring at that rate. And I'm sure they'll be they'll be getting loads and loads of people to come and watch them and keep tracking their progress, which is great. And and yeah, fingers crossed they make it in the documentary. Um as a quick note in terms of just where we're at on, on the podcast, big thanks to Sean Petchitz for his interview last week. That was really insightful talking about his, his job at EA Sports and FIFA and and you know, that was that got a lot of interest from people. So thanks so much for all the comments about that inter- interview. And if you miss that, do go back and, and check it out. I, I do owe Rich for, for getting us in touch with that one. That was really, really good. And if you want to get in touch with us, yet, yeah, as always, it's Twitter uh, at Rob Ryan Red. And if you want to get us in touch with us via email, it's Red at gmail.com. Any final words, Rich? I know you're, you're not there at the Curzon game, but, we're nearly there now aren't we we're nearly there season preview time soon
0: yeah just bring it on I can't wait one week to go it's like the countdown to Christmas I might have to get a Wrexham advent calendar or something at this rate maybe that could be one bit of merchandise that they need to get ahead of the new season but yeah bring it on a bright future both for the men's team and the women's team but all just for Wrexham what a time to be from the place what a time to be Northwellian what a time to be a Wrexham fan can't wait. Bring on the Oval. First we've got Curzon Ashton, like we said. We will be back next week to look back on that and look ahead to the new season. Stay safe. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your week ahead as well. We will be back on the eve of a new historic season. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in.